welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Thank God. If you have a Bible, open to the Gospel of Luke this morning. As we are coming up to this time of the year, I'm very excited for next week. My granddaughter was at pains to tell me during the worship that she's going to be up on this stage next week. And I, I was so d- delighted and I had to lay hands on her and I said, Oh God, may she only know the joy and the blessing of God in her life. Uh, may she only know the good things of God. And when she gets exposed to the world, that she'll reject it. Amen. And that she will cleave to him, cleave to Christ. There's nothing out in this world, friends. There's nothing. Yeah. Pastor Parker preached a wonderful word. I encourage you to go back to Wednesday night service. Have a listen to that service there, how disappointing life is. Dealing with life's disappointments. It's a dis- life is going to leave you disappointed. But there is a rock in the middle of that life. And there's honey in that rock. Amen. You can, you can never have high enough expectations of Christ. But have very low ones in this world, amen. Have low ones even of your career, because even when you get to the top of the table, there's someone going to take it from you, okay? And uh, there's always someone more hungry than you are, ready to put in more work than what you are. And, and you might have got employee of the month, there's someone's going to get next month, and you're just in a statistic, okay? So I want to tell you that joy is found in, in, in Christ. And uh, we are very privileged you know, as, as a group of people, to be brought into the, to, into the very commonwealth of Christ, everything that he's won for us, and, uh, you know, to be spiritually awakened to know what the conflict is, to know really what, what, you know, what's the right side up here. And uh, we have been given the mind of Christ and the word of God, and what a blessing that is. It helps us to see life as it truly is, amen, and with all the possibilities that are in Christ. But of course, none of this could ever happen. And it's this great event of Christmas that we celebrate. And it's no big secret to you, church, um, pastoring this church now since its foundation. But I do love Christmas. Uh, even, when it's doesn't, even when it doesn't feel like Christmas at times, you know, there's these years that come around and everyone says, it's not really kind of Christmassy, is it? You know, I still love it. Amen. And I love it for many reasons. I said a few weeks ago, I preached a message a couple of weeks ago. It was a novel title called uh, God in the Hands of Angry Sinners, if you want to go back and look at that taken from the converse of Jonathan Edwards' great message of sinners in the hands of an angry God. And uh, I just, you know, just talked about as a young minister, for me, um, as a young man, because you're, you're soaking into the Word of God, you're, you're trying to extract as much truth because you're going to be teaching people and you're going to be preaching the gospel. So I mean, it's my job to, to get as much as I can into it. And I always loved Christmas because it got me to focus upon the incarnation. Which is something that we can, you know, very easily just go through the rest of our year without. But it's the most phenomenal uh, doctrine in the Bible. It's actually, it is, the, it is the greatest truth revealed. It is the greatest miracle that has ever happened. And actually, if you take everything of creation from the day one when God spoke the universes, the millions of universes into being, all the stars, all the planets, and not only this beautiful blue planet in the middle of it all, but all the life that flows in it. It is infinitesimal compared to the virgin birth. It's infinitesimal. Infin- and even greater still, as, as the hymn writer writes, "'Tis mystery all, then the immortal dies." It's interesting to know that God in the hands of angry sinners is an amazing thing. Jesus Christ is God. He's man, but he's God. And for him to be even submitted into the hands of sinners, friends, 
And even angry sinners is a miracle of miracles. I understand why the Islamics stumble with it and how the atheists stumble with it. But I tell for those of us who have discovered him as Lord and Savior, it is the most enamoring, beautiful uh, truth. Uh, Andy writes a song, and I think it might have been inspired, I think in part, from a message I preached years ago, how the angels look in and are marveled at this. And uh, it, it says, it, what, you say, what's the words, Andy, they inspire? Yeah. It's so unique. It, it inspired angel minds. I mean, they looked in and, and really, you can imagine the angels from eternity looking and saying, hold on, hold on. What's this? This is a phenomenal thing. So, of course, it's a, it is an amazing story. Um, the title this morning is, that, is, um, is actually taken from Galatians 4. We'll go there later on towards the end. But the, the title is, Till Christ Be Formed in You. And we're going to read from Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked, how can this be since I have not... I have not been intimate with a man. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. What a, what a, what a, the other verses say the handmaiden of the Lord. But this is more accurate. I am the Lord's slave. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. In those days Mary set out and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judah. Where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed exclaimed with a loud cry, You are the most blessed of women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see... When the sounds of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside of me. She who has believed is blessed because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. Mary proclaims, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What a response from Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. I think about this young woman, probably 16 years of age. We know the storyline. She's not intimate with man. She's a virgin. She's betrothed to Joseph. Culturally, of course, this is going to go down like a bombshell. Why wouldn't it? 
you know, the angel comes and this incredible annunciation comes to her. And she's, she's even stunned at the greeting. Um, she's not anticipating this. She has no tip off. You know, all of a sudden the angel Gabriel comes and he tells her, you know, that you're favorite of the Lord. And you're, you're going to be the vehicle that's going to bring about the savior of the world. Now, every Jewess, every Jewish young woman, young girl, lived in the, in the anticipation that maybe she would be the one that would bring the Messiah into the world. A little bit like back in the boomer years of America when, when they drank all the Kool-Aid collectively and believed that one day maybe you could become the president. You know, and that was something, oh, you could be the president. That was a very strong narrative within, within American culture. You could be, well, you, you could if you have like 900 million in the bank, maybe you might be able to get your way there. But, uh, but so there's this anticipation culturally within, within the Jews that they knew a savior was coming. They knew a Messiah. They didn't understand the constitution of that. They didn't understand all what that entailed other than that, that, that there was a promise. Of course, they got it badly wrong. Their understanding of what the Messiah should look like um, you know, what he was actually meant to achieve, all this escaped them. The detail was, was very much off with them, with many of them. Of course, we are now at a time in history where we, where we come into the end of what we call the intertestamental period. So at the end of the book of Malachi, it's your last book in the Old Testament, there's 400 silent years. Um, you know, nothing said, no prophet, no extra biblical revelation, and an awful lot of history happens in those 400 years. We see the Persian Empire, and then we see that falling, and we see the rise of Alexander the Great and the great Greek Empire that took over that known world and made Greek this sort of hallmark language and culture and the Hellenization of the world. And the Greek culture has permeated all our cultures today, all of them, friends. It lives on in many forms, of course, not just in our words, but in our understandings of even political systems. A lot of that came to the culture of the Greeks and and so a lot happens, and in AD, I think, 63, the Romans come and they defeat the Greeks and they take over Jerusalem. Four BC, four years before Christ, you know, I think it's Vaius, the general Vaius comes to Jerusalem to put down an uprising and crucifies 2,000 Jews and it lines the roads going into Jerusalem and out all, in every direction, the roads are lined with crucifixes of men and women that supported the insurrection against the Romans. It was a bloody time. It was a dark time. It was political upheaval. Um, there was a, a fever pitch of nationalism within the, within the Jewish faith. Not because so much of faith in God, but just the pure nationalistic spirit that one nation is better than another and we will take by force what is ours. And you know, it was basically the, 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 the very raw elements of human thinking to, 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 to bring about some sense of peace or justice as they would see it. But there's going to be no peace in this world, friends, until the Prince of Peace comes. Everything is just a Mexican standoff. Everything is just a shady deal. We see that at the end of World War II. <coughs> you know, many countries that we think are rock solid, they're not rock solid. You go to every country in the world, you have the Basque separatists trying to get away in Spain. You've got people trying to break up Italy. You've got people trying to break up Ukraine. You've got all these countries, friends, the, the histories behind them are, are amazing. The, most of the world that we know is less than 100 years old in its actual constitution of nations. Very short periods of time. We're on very shady ground. <coughs> when you talk about, the Bible says in the end, millions will be crying, peace, peace, and there'll be no peace. And you might get me. Thank you. Peace, peace, and there'll be no peace. Although the seeking of peace is noble, but there's going to be no peace until the Prince of Peace. 
<coughs> mankind will learn that. And so at this junction in history, you know, this dark period of time when you can imagine the rumblings among the streets of Jerusalem is about uprising. And the political situation in Jerusalem at the time it was very divided. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are all kind of uh, the kind of polarization of Jewish society religiously. You have the essence and you had the zealots. And all of them were vying for public opinion. And all of them had their ideas of what the law should look like and what should be believed and not believed. So there's, there's actually religious confusion. There is a hybriding. There's a Hellenization. They even have a king called Herod. And Herod is not even Jewish. He's an Edomite. You know, but the Jewish Sadducees turned a blind eye because they were very much in favor of, Jew, of Hellen, Hellenistic culture and Roman culture. And, and because Herod was rebuilding the temple, they turned a blind eye that his pedigree is not the correct pedigree to be a king over Israel. And so there's a lot of politicization. There's a lot of using God to justify their political ideals. Does that sound familiar today, friends? Everybody's using Jesus and God to justify political upheaval. You know, we see it everywhere. We see it not just in the United States. We see it also in Russia. President Putin's trying to rally behind his church and talk about his view of morality. And he's supporting the church in, <laughs> in Russia. And then you go to the Americas, you got somebody else who will remain anonymous at the moment saying that he supported the God of the Christians. And this politicization, I want to tell you, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would have fought, Jesus said. But it's not about this world, friends. And God is after the inner world first. Unless the inner world is conquered, you don't conquer the world. Amen. And that's just by background. This is what this, this is what the situation was. It was dire. It was a dire world. Full of darkness, violence. We get these homogenized Hollywood visions of what life looked like, even when you watch Chosen. I think Chosen is a great series. But I want to tell you, friends, they lived in absolute squalor. You don't realize that they lived in, there's no running water. Nobody bathed back then. There's no place for your waste to go. Everybody smelled. Yeah. Everybody got through life just with bare subsistence. In many instances, the families lived, ab lived above their cattle or sheep down below. And so the smells came up into the living area. I just want to tell you, this is the world that Jesus came into. What love is this? That he would leave the glories of heaven. And then he doesn't, it's not some rich socialite, some strongly connected political family. It's not, it's, it's this lowly virgin girl that, in the middle of this whole world that's going about our business, but there's something, very, there's something very noble about this woman. She's picked by the Lord. He knows the character that she has. Lest people say the born-again Christians don't have time for Mary. Let me tell you what a favored woman she was and she still is. Phenomenal woman of God. From the youngest of ages was sensitive to the things of God and open to the things of God. That's why I pray for my little granddaughter. Oh God, may she be like Mary, oh God, ready to submit to something that sounds outrageous. She's not a fool. Even though she's only about 16, she's no idiot. She understands if her virtue was called into question what that would mean in the community. 
If she wasn't stoned to death, she would be ostracized the rest of her life and her family humiliated. She's not an idiot. But she receives this commission, this holiest of commissions, with great faith. She submits to the angel. She said, I am the slave of the Lord. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. Let this be done to me according to your word. What surrender? As we come to Christmas time, what surrender? What godly surrender is this? What an example. There's something about when men and women accept Christ into their life. And then submit to him. She has to accept Christ in. She has to agree to this. And the accepting of Christ to, to, to be born. Or the, whole, the, the power of the Most High would overshadow her. And then to submit to the will of God. And all that would entail. There is something that is produced in every believer, friends. Whether it is Mary or us today. That when we accept Christ in and, and submit to his will. Let me tell you what happens. Joy begins to break out in your life. This woman goes, she immediately goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. We all know the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah, of course. You know, and John the Baptist is born of them. And, and another, you know, the herald of, the last of the Old Testament prophets, a man of God, a preacher of righteousness. And as she enters into the house, it says, it says the baby leapt for joy. Can I, can I tell you this morning, Christian, when you accept and when you submit to the will of God, even the presence, even your presence will bring joy to other people. Even, even, even when you go into a room, there's going to be something will be ignited in that atmosphere. Why? Because there's someone living inside in you. Amen. And how he's beginning to break out. And as she went to her cousin's house, they said the baby leapt for joy and Elizabeth was Filled with the Holy Ghost. And she begins to prophesy. All the potential when Christ is being formed in you. Hallelujah. All the potential for us friends. And then she begins to share what the Lord is doing in our life. And, 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 that, and the confirmation from Elizabeth is, is something phenomenal. Oh that the mother of my Lord. The revelation that comes. It all comes from the despise not the day of small beginnings, friends. When you ask Christ into your life and you didn't see anything happen and you didn't feel very much. But he came, at, he, he came, friends, at that very moment, friends, he fulfilled his promise and he honored his word and he entered into your very body. The Apostle Paul tells us that our body is the temple, the dwelling place or the habitation of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That, that teaching, Lord, is, is extrapolated throughout the scriptures. The Apostle Paul says, though you, not, though, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. This joy, when we simply accept and submit to the Lord, there is, there is friends, a, a natural, and it's not, it is not 
What's the word I like to use? Super spiritual. Super spiritual people freak me out. They really make me nervous. I much prefer naturally spiritual. You know, these Christians in every sentence is praise the Lord, full stop. Let's take a full stop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They don't know they're even saying praise the Lord. It's just a full stop at the end of a sentence. It's Christianese. You know, you've got Chinese, Irish, East, and Christianese. You know, it's, it's vocabulary that we get loose with. We just throw it around. But naturally spiritual. I mean, I can talk football, not with the best of them. I'm not as good at football as what I think I am. But I do commiserate with my Brazilian friends because, honestly, Pastor, Pastor Nick, following your team was like the kiss of death because every team I followed in the World Cup got knocked out. <laughs> and so there's this... I could talk about those things, but I want to tell you, friends, the minute the opportunity arises, I much prefer to talk about him. Hallelujah. There's something in me. And there's something in you. When Christ was revealed. And I think about this young woman, this young girl, after the reproach of having to tell her, (laughs) having to tell her fiancé, by the way, uh, a little detail I need to tell you. But God had already told him. But I just want to think of her journey, before, just as a thought as we come up to Christmas. There's a couple more Christmas messages I want to bring us to in the next couple of weeks. As time goes by, she has to go back to her own home after all the highlighting is off, after all the spotlight is away, and she has to go And things begin to develop. Amen. Her body starts to change. And in a strange way, way, she feels that she is not her own. That she's been occupied by somebody. Now, I might look at the times like I'm pregnant, but I've never been. (laughs) But I remember my wife, I remember all the pregnancies. And she said, I think I have an alien, alien living in me. And I have to be honest with you, when it got bigger and I saw arms pushing out to the belly and feet coming through, I'm thinking, you do have an alien inside of <laughs> you. The body doesn't feel like it's your own anymore. And it's not so true for us as Christians when we invite Christ into our life. I don't feel like I belong to myself anymore. I, I don't feel like, you know, that I, I'm, I'm the same person. I'm, you know... I'm not the same person. I'm different. A new life has, has been birthed within me. Something of heaven has invaded my life. It's the universal testimony of every Christian. It doesn't matter if you go to the Amazon jungle. I met a young man last night actually came to the, to the service. And he's from the Amazon. But you meet an Amazonian Christian and they'll tell you something came in and invaded my life. And I don't feel like I belong to myself anymore. So in her pregnancy, there's this sense now that that something is here. Something is growing inside me. Her body's shape begins to change. Friends, you're not of your own. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Someone came up and took up residency and now has ownership of your life. 
And things begin to change for this young woman. She's watching what she eats. She's been careful. It's amazing how our appetites for this world begin to change when Christ comes into us. Amen. One short thing I can guarantee you, she wasn't on the booze. She's not going to do anything that will in any way wound that testimony or wound that life in her. Things that she may have done before, even risky behavior. Now, I don't think there's anything virtuous for this woman, risky behavior. But risky behavior could be like climbing up a ladder, okay? It could be like um, skiing down the Alps or whatever you might want to do. She's not skiing, friends. She's not surfing. She's not on the skateboard, okay? She's not doing adventures that in any way can possibly damage or jeopardize. And in the same way, the born-again man and woman is of the same character because there's things that I did before Christ came in. I am not letting happen again because Christ has been formed in me. In actual fact, she's beginning to crave certain foods to give her energy, strength. I remember reading, uh, uh, I think it was a Reader's Digest book about this woman that had a, during her pregnancy had a craving for coal. Yes, coal. And the doctors couldn't understand it until they found out that she was short in mineral so badly in her system that whatever way her body went, she started to gnaw on coal now. It's amazing, friends, when, when that life comes, it begins to give you an appetite for what you need. It, you know, the apostle, again, Peter talks about, like new babes, crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. The word spiritual is logikos, which is from logos. The, the pure word, the, and of course, logos is a point of the pure Christ. And of course, Her craves are going to, as she feeds these cravings, these righteous cravings, that child is going to grow. I said that child is going to grow. And as you and I begin to feed our soul on the word of God, and all the great graces that God has given us by which we can grow Christian fellowship, Forsake not the assembly of yourselves, as some are in the habit of doing, but all together more as you see the day approaching, friends. Crave the word of God. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. There are Christian services. Feed the poor. Clothe the naked. Visit the imprisoned. This is how you're going to feed that Christ in you, friends. This is how you're going to see Christ being revealed in your life. This is, this is the ingredients. It's not rocket science and it's not legalism. They all say, oh, you have to do these things. That's legal. No, no, no. You don't have to do it. If you want the baby to grow, you don't have to do it. It's like what someone once said, do I need to brush my teeth? Only the ones you want to keep. <laughs> and she understands. I remember when we were in Africa and we had the medical missions that we've done them before. And the doctors for the pregnant women would give them folic acid. And I remember my wife taking folic acid at the, and then other times needing her iron because there's iron deficiencies because that baby needs that. It's thick. And you know, friends, if you're going to grow as a Christian, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to make sure you've got the right diet. You have to make sure you're not eating the wrong things, going to the wrong places, investing in the wrong things and wounding that life that's inside you. And Mary is an example of righteous living. Everything about this woman. Her bump begins to grow and you begin to see her. And, she, and, and I want to tell you, friends, as Christ has been formed in you, people are going to take notice. They're going to see change in you. 
They're going to see God moving there. Now, sometimes that means the Christians move from booze to food and we bump up the wrong way. But I want to tell you, they're going to see growth in you. They're going to see something has changed in your life. She, you know, and you're not, but it's not a bed of roses. Having Christ formed in you is no bed of roses. She begins to have discomforts as time goes on. Aches and pains. I want to tell you, friends, as you grow in God, you become more discomforted in this world. You don't feel more at home, you feel less at home. The things that gave you comfort before don't give you comfort now. At least not the same way. It all becomes like sawdust in your mouth. It, there's no flavor anymore. It doesn't mean anything to you. She gets tired. Irritable. You never got tired or irritable. You get tired of everything else around you. Nothing else matters but this baby. And this baby being formed. And after months, she has to enter into the battle of her life. Where pain is turned on like a tap. Do you think it's easy to be a Christian? We just think this is a happy story. I mean, she's not even in a sanitized place, friends. I told you what the common lifestyle looked like. She's now in a cave. Not even in a house. And the elements are blowing in through the opening. The cattle and the sheep are there brought in because it's so cold they're brought in there so it's freezing. There's no five-star accommodation for her. And now she enters into the battle and that is not, it's not the way of all Christians. Isn't there not dark nights of the soul? Is there not times when the sun doesn't shine for us, friends? Is there times, friends, when the elements seem to be freezing us? Is there not times, friends, when everything seems to be closing in around us and the world wants nothing to do with us and makes no space for us? And the pain is all around you. And there seems to be no end in sight. They say that the worst natural form of pain is childbirth. I stress natural. Because I'm sure they can invent ways to hurt people. But the, most natural, the worst natural pain is from childbirth. That's what they tell me. That's why if men had to have babies, the human race would have never gone beyond the first 10 years. I think we would have, it would have never happened. And all this woke generation trying to make men have babies. Well, see how far that gets you. <laughs> that one never worries me at all. Because I know the nature of men. We cannot abide. Even our finger hurting. But she doesn't stop. She keeps pushing. She keeps persevering. Because she knows that Christ is in her. The hope of glory. And I want to tell you to keep pushing. Keep persevering. Because Christ is in you. The hope of glory. A man came to a preacher once after he preached on the nativity and, and the birth of Christ. He said, I don't believe that story. If an unwed mother was to come to you and tell you a story like Mary said... That which was conceived in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Would you believe her? The, preacher, the wise preacher said, yes, I would believe her. If she had a son and the angels sang at his birth. If it was foretold thousands of years before it happened. 
If a star stood over his birthplace in fulfillment of prophecy, if our son had the power over the wind and the waves and diseases, I would believe him. I would believe it. If he were crucified and raised again from the dead, I would believe it. If he ascended from the earth, I would believe it. If his disciples through centuries were numbered in the millions, yes, I would believe it. The man looked at the pastor and said, so would I, and so do I. And I want to tell you today, friends, keep on believing until Christ be formed within you. Until you see the attributes flowing out of your life. Trust him. Persevere, persevere through the pain. He'll turn on like a tap. But God says, I won't let no temptation will seize you. None of this come to man, but God is faithful. He knows what you can bear. And he knows that his grace is sufficient for you. You just need a walk of faith, because that's what that means. When I can't seem to have any exercise, any personal control, I have to trust God. Anyone here this morning, you can't exercise control over a given situation or circumstance in your life that's just, you just can't do it. Well, and it's painful to you, and it's troubling you, then he knows what you can bear. Keep on pushing. Keep on bearing. And do before the Lord because Christ has been formed in you. And you are not wrapped in cotton wool. You and I go through the torments of this world, but we say, follow me as I follow Christ. It's the only way out of this unsatisfying world, friends. It's the only way through the darkness. It's only the only way through the mess until Christ be formed within you. Hallelujah. Christmas is all about the new birth, friends. It's the new birth. It started in Mary, the first one to have that birth. Uh, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Christ in each and every one of you precious men and women that have received him as Lord and Savior. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in and live with you and in you. And I will be formed in you. And Paul says, I labor to see Christ formed in you. Hallelujah. That's what Christmas is about. That's what it really leads to. And the Jews were looking for an earthly kingdom. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Look within and see who it is that lives in you. And rejoice in the God of your salvation. For he shall save his people from their sin. From their sin. From their flesh. From their sinful flesh. And from everybody else's sinful flesh. He will save you. Amen. And push through the pain. And push through the suffering. Because you're going to have a revelation of him. And you will have not a theory about what it is to be pregnant with Christ. You will have a testimony. There's a big difference. Amen. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me this morning as we just worship for one last song? I think Nathan's going to prepare. But I want you just to thank the Lord. Look what the Lord has done in your life this morning. Come on. Anybody out there alive this morning, what God has done in you is nothing short of a miracle. Just as you came into the virgin, friends, all those years ago, and that's a miracle of miracles. That miracle is equally as powerful in you today. And every bit is real. And every bit is incredible because the world will look and says, I don't see anything. I don't see God in you. Well, they couldn't see him in Mary either. But you say, as I persevere, oh, you're going to start seeing him. I'm going to start growing in love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, gentleness. I'm going to look like him. I'm going to talk like him. I'm going to walk like him. I'm going to be, the, I'm going to be even his fragrance. 
And even and where I walk, he walks. And when I walk into a room, his atmosphere will follow me. You watch. You mightn't see anything yet, but it's only the start of this journey. Because you began that good work in him. We'll finish it and bring it to completion. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless. Thank you.